are listening to an Axe Church podcast. Axe Church is located in downtown Waco, Texas at 300 South 13th Street. Please visit our website, axewaco.com, and like us on Facebook. Jesus, we thank you that you are real. You're not, you weren't fabricated in somebody's mind, but you are the beginning and the end, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You have been here since, since the dawn of creation, and you're coming back to rule and reign. Jesus, you've won the victory. You've saved us, redeemed us, restored us, freed us. And we give you glory this morning, Jesus. Thank you that you have the ability to be personal and real with each one of us, that, that millions of people around the world can be crying out to you, asking for, asking for answers to their questions, be crying out to you for help, and you can meet everyone's need at the same time. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. No one compares to you, Jesus. As we dig into your word this morning, let it reveal you. Let it draw us closer to you. And let it give us instruction on how to live our lives. And we bless you. And we need you. Holy Spirit, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have... Uh, hey, real quick, before I get started, if you did not get... Uh, the bread and the juice this morning. Raise your hand until someone brings it to you. Just keep your hand up until someone brings it to you, and we'll kind of get started as they're bringing it. Just keep your hand up to you until someone brings it to you. Um, so we're in a series right now uh, titled The Blueprint of Acts. So we're talking about, for us as a church, like what are those things that we really just want to stand on? Because there's a lot of things in our faith that are, you know, we kind of hold loose-handed that, you know, that, that aren't hills that we'll die on, but there are some things that we've, we've felt like, hey, since the beginning, these are things that God has really said are really important and really valuable. And so for us, uh, we've been talking about our mission statement, and we've now been digging into our core values. So we spent a week talking about what it means to be a person who spends time with Jesus every day, and for us, that's, kinda, that's like our chief core value. Like, like, guys, we believe this, just period. If you create in your life um, the discipline of meeting with God on a daily basis as it will radically change your life. That's just the facts of it. And then we talk about discipleship and evangelism. So guys, no matter who you are, no matter how you're wired, no matter your calling, we're all called to this one thing, to reach people and make disciples. We're all called to go reach people and make disciples. So we talk about discipleship and evangelism. And today we're going to talk about the table. So it's really a, a term we use to describe uh, something a way that you should live your life. And I'll just give you my definition for it uh, this morning. Um, the table is living a, la- uh, living a transparent life, a transparent and open life with God and man. And in our culture, when I say our culture, the Western culture, we, we can, even in the church, we can value living transparently with God, but I don't know that we always value living transparently with people. And I believe that the Bible teaches very clearly that if we want to mature and grow, that we've got to learn to live an open, transparent life with man as well. Um, the Bible tells us very clearly, if we have sin in our life, what to do about it? We should confess our sins, and it actually doesn't say to God, it says to one another, Right? If you have sin, confess it to one another that you may receive prayer and get healed. And then it says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So let me ask you this morning, if you've got some, if you've got some junk in your life, if you've got sin in your life, if you've got something that you just can't seem to overcome, the Bible actually gives us a plan on how to walk in victory in that. 
And it's in this passage of Scripture. The, um, you know, we use this, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. We, we say that a lot, but we very, I very rarely hear anybody say it within the context it was given. The context was, confess your sins one to another, that you can receive prayer and get healed or delivered, and an effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. And so that God has given us a, a tool in order to walk in freedom. And it is to live an open, transparent life with people. And how can we do that if we don't live in community? And what I mean by that is, is, is God, you can't live open with people you don't have a relationship with. I know that I can't. I'm not going to confess my stuff to people who I'm not in a deep relationship with because I don't know what they'll do with it. You know, all these kind of things come up, right? But to someone that I'm in relationship with and that, that I trust, we've, we've built um, over the course of time a love for one another. They become someone that we can say, hey, bro, I'm really struggling with this. I, I've got some sin in my life. Would you pray for me? And God gives us this plan to get free here. But it's not just about confessing sin. It's about just being open and honest about your struggles. And not only that, but the struggles that we see in one another, which is way countercultural to, 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 the, to the Western culture, right? Like to be able to look at someone and say, hey, I love you. We're in a relationship. I see the struggle in your life. And then for that person to be humble enough to say, you're right. How many of you guys have someone in your life right now that you'll listen to more than your own mind? That's a big deal. I mean, someone that you trust more than you trust yourself. There ought to be people in your life that know you better than you know yourself. That, we, that, the, that the stuff that you don't see, they can see. But not only that, they will tell you and you can receive it. That you don't get offended. And I believe that the Bible gives us a pattern to live like this. So this, when we say this is a core value for us, because it's about freedom. It's about walking in freedom. It's about following Jesus. Guys, if, if we're trying to follow Jesus and we're weighed down by, by fear, if we're weighed down by sin, it's going to be very hard to fully follow Him. So God has given us a plan, and that is one another, the body of Christ, to live intentional with, to be transparent with. And so I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. I'm going to read the story of the Lord's Supper this morning. And so Luke 22, but also kind of put a bookmark or put your... Kind of mark John 13 as well. So this story is in, in, in the Gospels, and we're going to read different portions of uh, different books, different Gospels, to get the full effect this morning. So we're going to take the Lord's Supper at the end. And uh, when I say the, the Lord's Supper, you know, kind of what image, when you find out you're going to take the Lord's Supper at church, you know, what, what image does that create in your mind? You know, what is, or what does that feel like to you? I feel like there's a tendency to like, hey, this is going to be really good. This is going to be really peaceful. This is going to be, you know, we kind of get Da Vinci's painting in our mind. You know, Jesus, John laying his head on his chest. And it's just like a really good time bringing the church together. Well, guys, if you read the Lord's Supper when Jesus gave us this way of doing things, it wasn't real peaceful. It was confrontational. It was about sin. It was about fear. It was about calling someone out. Um, get back to my notes here a little bit. It was about um, betrayal, denial. It was about brokenness. It was about death. It was about exposing hidden faults or, or hidden failures of the heart. Um, it, taking the Lord's Supper, and I think we kind of have this mentality too, it's kind of an individual moment. This is a moment when even though we're all together, it's just about me and God. Well, that's not the way Jesus did it. It's not just about me and God. Jesus, when he showed us how to do that, he, he didn't, it wasn't, it was a very open in front of everybody. We're going to talk about this stuff. 
And so he's showing us, I believe, not just a picture of, hey, how to do the Lord's Supper. I believe he's showing us a picture on how to live. Um, I believe that, that it's very difficult to do the Lord's Supper, first of all, the way Jesus did it, period. It's, it's difficult to do it the way he did it. It's almost impossible to do it that way on a Sunday morning. I would encourage you to do it, to, as we read through it, to think about doing it with your family, to doing it with friends. It, it, never, it never had to be something you only did at Sunday morning that a pastor had to lead you in. It can be a family with friends in the workplace, at home, early in the morning together at the dinner table, and remembering Jesus and who He did and, and doing it the way He did it. That can be very powerful and effective for our lives. So Luke 22, we're going to start in verse 4, but first of all, I'll give you the definition for communion. This is what we call it, right? Communion. So the definition for communion is this. The sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings. So is that what, when you hear we're having communion, is that what you think about? It's the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings. So Luke 22, 4, then we'll go to John 13, 3. And we're picking up here with Judas a little bit. And Judas went to the chief priest and the officers of the temple guard, and he discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. So right before... They have the communion, Lord's Supper. This is what's happening. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. And he consented and he watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them with no, with, when no crowd was present. Go down to verse 14. So when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. So he sent the guys ahead. He said, you're going to find this place. We're going we're to take the Passover together. So now skip over to John 13, 3. And then we'll, we'll dig into the story as we read this. But I, I want to set the, the background a little bit. And let, I want us to realize all that happened. John 13, 3. You guys ready? All right. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, he got up from supper, and he laid aside his garments. And he, in taking a towel, he girded himself, and then he poured water into the basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So I want you to, this, is, this is an uncomfortable moment. But I want you to get the picture of what Jesus is doing. It, you know, a lot of times we talk about this time when Jesus washed their feet, and we, we very rarely connect that it was at the Lord's Supper when he did it. So Jesus, he's got them there at the table, they're, they're getting ready to have it, and Jesus takes off his clothes. And he, and he gets a towel, and he, he wraps it around him, and he, and he goes and he starts washing their feet. You guys remember, like, Peter's like, no, Jesus, you can't wash my feet, and and Jesus rebukes him a little bit, ends up doing it, takes the towel off, dries their feet. I mean, not only is Jesus really serving them, not only is he really loving them, he's just really, if we're going to be honest, he's just really exposed. He, he's really, he's transparent. He, he's, there, there's nothing hidden in Jesus. And so Jesus starts, before he gets into these, this other part of the story that we're going to read, Jesus here is, is he's really just loving on them, right? And he's not asking them to go anywhere that he's not willing to go. Let's keep reading. Luke, go back to Luke now, Luke twenty-two fifteen. 15. And I just took that portion from, John tells that part of the story uh, about, about the Lord's Supper, but Luke doesn't tell it. So Luke twenty-two fifteen. 15. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. 
For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. So he's honest and he's open about his desires. He's being real. Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God as man, is being completely honest and open with the disciples. He's telling what's on his heart. He's telling where he's fixing to go, that he's fixing to suffer. Verse 17. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and he said, Take this and divide it among you. For I will tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine till the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's try to get in in, in Jesus' head for a moment. Judas is at the table who's going to deny him. He just went and met with the Pharisees. Jesus just washed their feet. He just loved them. This is kind of this last act before he before he dies and goes before he goes to the cross. And he's taking the bread and he's taking the, 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 the wine and, and he's saying, this is my body, this is my blood, which is really a weird thing to say. And, and he's trying to show them something. But when he took the bread, I believe, and if you, you may have heard Kim teach on this before, when he took the bread, he was really showing them a re-picture, if you will. He's, he's showing them something he's done many times before. But not only what he's done before, he's giving them a picture of what God has done since the beginning. Kim calls this God's M.O. Modus operandi, like how God operates. And so remember, Jesus takes the bread, right? He takes it. He blesses it. He breaks it. And then he gives it away. And if you think back through the Bible, I mean, God did this same M.O. all the time with, with, the, with the, all the disciples and the people um, at the Mount of Beatitudes when he fed the 5,000. Remember what Jesus did with the bread then? He took the bread. He, broke, he blessed it, he broke it, and then gave it away. And it's a very specific order. If you think about Moses, God took Moses, he had him in, he took him, he put him in Pharaoh's house. He blessed him. But then he had to run for his life and he took him back in the wilderness, right? He took him out into the wilderness. And in this place, Moses was broken. He, he was in a foreign place, he didn't have any family, he didn't have everything he'd ever known. He's out there and he's broken. But once he got broken... God took him and gave him away. He gave him away to the Israelites to set him free, right? Did not God do this with his own son? He took Jesus. He blessed him. He broke him on the cross so that he could give him away. And Jesus is the bread of life, right? I mean, he is, he's showing us a picture. He's taken. He's, he's blessed. He's broken. He's given away. And I don't know about you, but I can, that's the story of my life, right? And that, can we just see that pattern in our life? And what, what God does with us, and he's, he doesn't have some sadistic nature where he wants to torture us. The thing is, before he can give us away, he's always got to break us. And so God takes us, he blesses us, and we all love that. We all love the blessing. But why is it after getting blessed, after encountering God, after hearing from God, there's always a season of brokenness before he can give us away to his purposes? We all want to skip the brokenness and go straight to the giving way, but it just doesn't work that way. It's just not God's MO. He can't develop inside of us the character that he wants to develop without the breaking. He's, got to, he's not trying to hurt us. He's trying to break off the sin. He's trying to break off the fear. He's trying to break off the pride so that when he gives us away, we're doing it for his glory, that it's effective, that it's powerful. And so I would say, first of all, we've got to learn this, this God's MO here and, and not be surprised in life. I, I know it, but I'm still surprised. 
Anybody else? Like, every time, why is this happening? Until I remember again, this is what you do. This is what you do because you've got great plans for me. You've got great plans for us. Unless you break me and get this stuff out of my life, you can't use me. So Jesus here is just replaying what these guys already know that seen him done many, seen him do many times before. But he's not just saying this is prophetic over my life, what God's fixing to do with me. He's giving them an example of, guys, this is what God's going to do with you. He's going to take you. He's going to bless you. But he's going to break you, and then he's going to give you away. Guys, we're going for the giving away. That's what we're trying to get. Verse 20. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand, and this is interesting here, but the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. And the Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. And they began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. So I just want to remind you what I kind of started with. That when we say communion, when we say the Lord's table, is not Jesus the one that gave us the example? Can we all agree on that? He gave us the example on how to do the Lord's Supper. Well, what Jesus, this, this was tense. This wasn't, I mean, Jesus, you're sitting around and he's, he's taken off his clothes. He's washed your feet, which is uncomfortable because he's the master. And now he's told you about this brokenness. He's told you about he's going to have to go to the cross. And now he's saying, hey, but one of you at this table is going to betray me. I mean, imagine how that this, everybody's not just sitting there with smiles on their faces saying, man, what a great service. It's like, what do you mean one of us is going to betray you? Who's going to do it? This was tense. And I'm looking around the room. Who's going to do this? Jesus already knew it was Judas, right? He knew it was Judas. So why does he not just say? Why does he not just call Judas out? What is he doing here? I, 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 don't, know, I don't think we can know for sure. I think he was giving Judas an opportunity to repent. That it wasn't pointless. That he was, he was looking. And he was, he was looking at this guy that, that I believe he loved. That he had walked with for three years. That was going to betray him. And he's looking at him and saying... Man, you got this hidden place in your heart, and you're going to betray me. I don't believe it was a, it was a curse. It was, I believe it was an invitation to repent. Jesus had already exposed himself. He was giving Judas the opportunity to do the same. Jesus is honest and open, and I want you to just, to just to point out, he's able to be honest and open with you, or with the disciples at the table, because he's first been honest and open himself. First, he's been a servant. First, he's washed your feet. And then he's able to look across the table and say, hey, there's some dark places in your heart. There's some things that aren't right. Just like Judas, he gives us a chance to open up God, let me ask you this, does God mind calling out sin? Do you think? Then why should we? You know, we don't call out sin because that would be judgmental. Well, here he's talking, I believe the context is everything. It's in relationship. It's in servanthood. It's in love. It's different. Guys, if you walk up to me and call me out for sin, and I don't know you, I'm probably not going to pay attention to you. But there are people in this room that could walk up and say something to me. And man, I've got to listen. I've got to, I've got to be to that black. 
hey, they see something I may not see or they may know or God may be revealed or whatever, and I need to humble myself and listen. And maybe, again, it's not just sin. Maybe it's, maybe it's just stuff. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's... It's hard to do. It's countercultural, But nonetheless, this is the picture Jesus gives us. Verse 31. We're going to skip down to verse 31. Let's look what he does with Peter. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all as wheat, but I pray for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. That's a, they're having a good time together, aren't they? I mean, he just called out somebody's going to deny me. He just said, I'm going to die. He looks at Peter and says, Peter, you're going to deny me. No, I'm not going to do it. And guys, this is, we're, so, we're so far sometimes from real communion, real relationships, we can't even get to the point. We're not even in the place where somebody can look at us and tell us, and tell us something. But here, at least, okay, they're in the place they can look at it and tell us something. But where's Peter at? He's at a place he can't receive it. He's too prideful to even receive, and so it gets even harder. Like, hey, man, you're going to deny me even three times. And Peter doesn't repeat. I believe, I believe the God, Jesus knew what was going to happen. But I personally believe had Peter repented the first time Jesus said something, he would have gotten free from it and not denied him three times. But because he couldn't repent, because he couldn't examine his own heart, Jesus said, man, there's a lot of pride there. You can't even receive what I'm saying. You're going to deny me three times for the the rooster even crows tomorrow morning. There's something about, first of all, being in a relationship where people can speak into you. Secondly, being able to receive it. Have you developed relationships in your life? Guys, I, I can say this. There, there's a lot of things in, in my life. There's a lot of things about ministry that I don't know. I can tell you this is one thing I do know. I've seen it time and time again. The people in the church who live in real, authentic community, continue to grow and move forward. And the people that don't struggle and stay stagnant. I just, there's just no way around it. People that don't live in authentic, real community really struggle to keep moving forward in Christ. And the people, we all got sin, we've all got stuff, but this is something that God has blessed us with. The ability to live in relationship, be honest and open and talk this last week when we were in Mexico, one of the things we've been doing at night while we were there with the Rama students is, is having take turns and share their testimonies. And so at night, maybe a few of them, three or four, would, would stand up and they'd share their testimony, where they've been, what they've been through, those kind of things. And so just getting really, just really real. I know that one, one of them shared something and like, I don't tell people this. And they told someone, and, and they probably don't tell people this because of the fear of what you think people will say or how people will view you. But you know what happens when people open up and share like that? Do you know what it does to you? It makes you fall in love with them. It makes you care for them even more. It's, it's some, there's some beauty about it that God has given us. Guys, if you, the reason we say this is a core value for us is because we, we believe and we've seen if you walk in real community and you're honest and open and transparent with yourself and with your brother or with your sister, you continue to move forward and grow. So Peter didn't receive it. I wonder, I've had this thought, I don't know that I have the answer. 
You know, when we take the Lord's Supper, we have this feeling that it's powerful, right? I wonder if it's taking of the, the bread and the juice or the bread and the wine. I wonder if, if that act is the powerful thing or if it's what we're doing behind the scenes. It's, you know, I wonder if that act in of itself is powerful. Because can't anybody take, eat bread and drink some juice? But if we're doing it the way that Jesus gave it to us, there's no doubt in my mind it's powerful. A few points I want to leave you with. Transparency and vulnerability is a Christian value. It is something that Jesus, I think the Bible makes very clear. It's a Christian value. Number two, transparency and vulnerability facilitate freedom. I think we can see that in the scriptures. Transparency and vulnerability facilitate freedom. So about the past 15 months, I think now, uh, I meet with a group of guys. So guys right now, anybody in this room, you're invited, please come. We meet every Wednesday morning upstairs in the Rama Room at 6.30. And this is a, a men's group. We meet together, and our whole goal is to walk in purity. That's it. So we, we want to walk in purity. Walk in, in more. I don't want to be, next, in six months from now, I don't want to be at the level of purity I'm at now. I want to be holier then than I am now. I think I can say, praise God, there's some failures in my life, but I know that I'm walking in more purity now than I did six months ago and that I did the six months ago for that, that it's progressing, that, that what used to be acceptable isn't as acceptable anymore. And I hope the things I'm accepting now won't be later. You guys following me? So we meet every Wednesday morning, 6.30, and we do one thing without fail every time. We, we share something from the Bible, things like that, but there's one thing we do without fail. And it's whoever's there, we start by going around the room, and if anyone has anything in regards to purity that they need to get light, they confess it. It's uncomfortable sometimes, right? I mean, it's, it's uncomfortable to show up, and if, if you've got something you've got to confess when it comes to purity. But I can tell you, this has been one of the most fruitful things, I think, that I've, that, that I've ever done. And we're not doing anything really special. I mean, that's, we're going around the room. We always start right here. Hey, everybody go around the room and share if there's anything you need to get in the light. Here's what I can tell you without a doubt. Every guy who has come consistently for the last 15 months and done that on a weekly basis is walking in a, in a radically higher level of purity than they were when they started. So I'm talking about guys who 15 months ago were coming and saying, hey, I've been struggling with pornography for 10 years. And now it's been, I can't even tell you how long it's been for them to be able to say it. And now that, you know, the confessions went from, hey, I was looking at pornography to like, hey, okay, I haven't looked at that, but I watched this movie and I shouldn't have. Oh, okay, to that, like, hey, I was out somewhere and this girl walked by and I looked at, okay, I can't, I don't want to do that. I mean, the level of purity has progressed exponentially, and I'm not preparing a great message, anything like that. We're just going around the room and getting in the light, anything that needs to get in the light. We're, we're living this out, and it's powerful, and it's effective, because God says it is. Guys, you can't get free if things are in the dark. You can't. It, it's got to be exposed to the light. The lie from Satan is this. Satan says, hide it, protect yourself, which leads to bondage. Satan, I, I feel like this is a big one from Satan. You can overcome this by yourself, don't tell anyone. 
Hey, you can, don't worry. Hey, just, just fight it real hard right now. Just go for it. Fight it. You can overcome it. Don't tell anyone. Satan wants us to hide it, to protect ourselves, which leads to bondage. God says to be transparent and open, which leads to freedom. Just as Jesus desired to sit at the table with his disciples, that's what it said, we read, right? He desired to have this meal with them. I don't believe it was about what they were just going to eat. I believe it was about what was going to transpire. He desired to eat this meal with them, and he's giving us a picture of something that he desires for us and that we should desire. We desire to be at the table living transparent, honest, open lives. People say, well, to live in community, to be open and transparent, I've been hurt before, it's hard. I would say, absolutely. Absolutely. But guys, there's a lot of things that God has for us that we do regardless of what people have done to us. And we trust Him that it's going to work out for our good. Do you value intimacy with man as much as you do with God? I would say the two are interconnected. We're to value both of them. Hebrews 10.25, I'm fixing to wrap up here in just a minute. Hebrews 10.25 says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. I don't think he meant about showing, I don't think he was really referring to show up to church on Sunday. <clears throat> I think he was, I would interpret to forsake not the, the, when you really get together and you really get real and you're honest and open and you worship Jesus and you, you call each other out and you confess and you repent. I think that's what he was talking about. And I already said it, but James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins one to another. Does it say that? It says it, right? Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Man, that's encouraging if we would just take it for what it's saying. If I would confess my sin to someone and ask them to pray for me, that their prayer over me would accomplish much in bringing me freedom. I'd quit listening to the lies of the devil that protect yourself. Don't, don't, be, don't be transparent. So turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 11, and we're fixing to wrap up. 1 Corinthians 11. So in the light of how Jesus did the Lord's Supper, I want you to listen to Paul. This is what Paul has to say about it in, in reflection of, of how Jesus led the disciples. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. You know, is he saying just remember him, or is he saying remember what he did and what he taught? I think also how he did it. <coughs> Excuse me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Verse 27, so then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone, who? Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. 
For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. When we come together for the Lord's Supper, it ought to be an exciting time. But it ought to be a real time. It ought to be, there ought to be some authenticity to it. That we should realize to do it in an unworthy manner is to, is, as he says, there, there's, problems, there's problems in the body. And, and I think a lot of the problems in the body are not because we, in a sense, just take the Lord's Supper wrong. I think because of our attitude towards sin, our attitude towards stuff in our lives, our attitude, maybe just not over stuff in our life, but our attitude over the, the sin and the problems and the issues, not caring for one another and the sins that they're struggling with. To be in relationship enough that we look at someone and say, bro, man, I see this in your life. Let's, let me pray with you, guys. Let's, 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 get, this, let's get this dealt with. Can you, can, you, can you receive it? And being willing to go grab someone and say, hey, man, I'm struggling right now. Would you pray for me? I don't believe that Jesus was just saying this is a tradition that I'm giving you. He's saying I'm giving you a way to live life. And especially when you come together to do this, do this in remembrance of me. Do it in a way that brings freedom. It's holy and that's, that's right. So I want you to do something for me. I want you to bow your heads and just, we're going gonna, gonna to give you some time just to reflect. Examine your hearts as the scriptures say. I'm going to ask our prayer team if they would gather around the back. So our prayer team now, guys, has been gathering around the back of the room to be available to pray if you need prayer for something. But before we take the Lord's Supper, guys, this, this ought to be a holy moment. Before you take the Lord's Supper, I want you to examine your heart. Is there something that you know God wants to deal with? I'm not talking about you have to look under every nook and cranny. I, I, guys, when when God wants to deal with me about something, I already know it. Like it, It's not real hard to find it. If God is trying to deal with you about something, you haven't been letting him, let him. Confess it. And then I want to encourage you to be bold. I'm going to ask you to do one of two things. If you've got someone in this room, or I'll give you maybe three options. If there's someone in this room that you're close with that you can go to and say, hey, I'm struggling, would you pray with me? I want you to do that before we take the Lord's Supper. If you don't have anyone, there'll be, there is a prayer team along the back wall. Go to one of them. It's the body of Christ. It's going to stay between you and them. Go and say, hey, I'm struggling. Would you pray for me? Lastly, if you're just like, I just can't do one of those two things. There is someone I can talk to. I want you to, when you leave here today, hey, take this Lord, take the, take the communion with you. And when you leave here today, get a hold of that person. Get real, get honest, get open. Tell them what's going on, ask for prayer, and then take the Lord's Supper later. But I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite you to just examine your life, and then I'll lead us in the Lord's Supper in a few moments. If you need prayer, grab someone. We just read the Scriptures. Confess your sins one another. Get prayer and get healed. If you need prayer, man, let's make, this a, let's make it matter today. Jesus, we thank you for your example. Lord, I pray that, God, we would live without fear of being exposed. We would live without fear of being exposed because we've already done it ourselves. We've already, we've already shared. We've already been open. We've already been real. Examine our hearts and find in here a people after your heart, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, examine your heart. Find someone to pray with if you need prayer, and I'll lead us.
we'll eat it here again in just a moment. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For service times and other information, visit axwaco.com.